right, good morning. Good morning. It's a good day to be together and to share together. I'm Pastor Ray Fidgel, and we're here at New Horizon in uh, southeast Florida as we share together in worship today uh, here at New Horizon. It's a good day for us to be together. We're glad that you're joining us, we are, whether you're engaging uh, digitally or engaging here in person. We're glad to be together to worship. We have worship at 9 and 1030 uh, every, uh, every week. And uh, welcome to the new year and to getting into our patterns of life into this new year. And one of the important parts of the patterns of life is our worship. It's praising God and lifting God up. And so let's uh, come together in song and prayer and praise and lift up God. Won't you please stand? Uh, Michael would say, uh, I said I was glad when they said we should go into the house of the Lord. And I agree with that. I, uh, I just love coming um, into, the, into God's house and, and worshiping. So won't you pray with me? Father, I, I pray for your presence here um, in word and in deed and in song. And Lord, just change us. Make us more uh, like uh, your image uh, and the image of your son. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the
I get to share with you our pegs for this morning. We, we give you an opportunity every week to find out how you can pray, how you can engage, how you can give, and how you can serve. And um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what, what largely my job is. I am mostly responsible for, responsible for adult discipleship. And what that means is um, I'm, I'm here to help facilitate opportunities for you, but it's up to you if you want to grow into being a, a follower of Christ, if you want to learn more, if you want to grow more. Um, but we have several opportunities. There's a flyer on the, on the seats if you're here in person, and it's on our website um, if you're engaging online. We have several classes starting this week, um, one, one of which is starting tomorrow called A Disciple's Path. And um, it's a wonderful way to kind of get what Methodism is and what we stand for and the Wesleyan way uh, without talking down to you. You know, it's kind of like adult confirmation class. Um, really good information, really rich study, if you can join that. We have several others. Lose Control um, is, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a control person, just a little bit. And um, so this one I'm leading because God said, you need to hear this, Lisa. Um, so on Wednesday mornings, I'll be leading that. There's another um, Short Stories of Jesus by Amy Jill Levine. If you've never done any of her studies, they're very challenging, very interesting. And um, Pastor Rafe will be leading Courage, which is a book by Tom Berlin. So you have plenty of opportunities, um, but it's on you. You have to decide. Do I want to learn more who God is? Do I want to learn more who Christ is so that I can actually follow him as I'm supposed to follow him and not just keep guessing where I belong, right? So those are your opportunities. I'd also like to share this morning's prayer with you. So if you'll bow your heads and pray with me. Oh God, we come before you this day filled with praise and thanksgiving. We come trusting in your power, even as it is often found in weakness, and in your wisdom, even as it can be expressed in seeming foolishness. We trust in your wholeness, even as it comes to us amidst our brokenness. We do not ask this day for dazzling displays of strength or fantastic exercises of intellectual prowess or marvelous miracles. We come simply to worship you. Touch us this day, O oh Lord, sinners that we are, that we might become your saints, your body, your children, your church. For this temple of your Holy Spirit is built not on our own abilities, our own knowledge, or our own restorative skills, but upon you in Jesus Christ. Open our hearts and minds to your presence among us here. May our worship this morning bring you honor and glory, for you alone are worthy of our praise. And we pray all of this as your son taught us to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
if you'll please stand and join us for another worship song. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is uh, about the fiery furnace and uh, the salvation that uh, the Lord gave to those three guys that uh, would not bow. And that's what this song's about.
Amen. Well, there was another in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I just say that because I love to say those names. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow to the king, and so the king threw the three into a fiery furnace, but when they looked in the furnace, there was another in the fire. There was four there, and so we have that promise that God goes with us through every trial, every battle, everything that we face in life, God goes with us. The thing is, though, when God goes with us, that means the power of Christ, the power of this gift of the Holy Spirit goes with us. And here's the thing I found out about the Holy Spirit when he goes with us. The Holy Spirit can't be controlled. It gets a little out of control. Um, we'd love to tame it, but we can't. You know, it can't be trained. You know, it just kind of gets out of control. And that's what happens in this story in Acts. Acts, the whole thing is about the Holy Spirit getting out of control. You know, Acts chapter 2 is about Pentecost, and, and this is Acts chapter 8, and it's a, another Pentecost-type uh, story. When the word reached the apostles in Jerusalem that Samaria, Samaria, had accepted God's word, they commissioned Peter and John to go to Samaria. Peter and John went down to Samaria where they prayed that the new believers would receive the Holy Spirit. This was because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O oh Lord, lay your hands on us today. Lay your hands on us that we might sense your presence and your power here with us. Amen and amen. Sometimes we just can't control things and they get kind of away from us and they get out of the box. I am uh, remembering a, a story told by one of my prof professors and I think he also put it in one of his uh, books. Um, this is a story of, of Fred Craddock, Professor Fred Craddock, many years ago. Um, and so when I say this story happened many years ago, um, you know, I was in seminary uh, studying with him uh, 30, 40, 35, 40 years ago, and he was telling the story of his early days in the ministry when he was a very young person in the ministry, and he had been assigned to uh, a place in the eastern foothills of Tennessee. And here's this young man going into this rural area of, of Tennessee. And it was a beautiful place. It was, a, it was called Oak Ridge. And it was this beautiful white church out there in the area and uh, kerosene lamps that lit the place and one of those good old-style pump organs that some young person had to get down there and pump and work in order for the music to, to come and, and happen and just one of these beautiful places. But at this time... Power was changing the landscape of America. And so what was happening is that there all of a sudden there was this boon in that area and work for people coming into the, that power business. And, and so all of a sudden all of this stuff is happening and people start moving into the area in droves and tells the story of people coming with their RVs and their tents and their, 
their campers and their temporary homes and stuff because the infrastructure had not been in place for all of these people to come. And so the roads were getting ruts in them and equipment was coming in all to bring the workers in for the power and families were coming and they were having to put up schools and stuff like that and all these people coming into this little rural area in the mountains of eastern Tennessee. And so after church one Sunday, the pastor, this young pastor, goes to the congregation and to the community, says, says to a couple of leaders, let's have a talk after church. And uh, they go to have their little chat, and he says, you know, all these people are coming in. We need to start a, a calling campaign, some sort of program to invite these people and make them feel welcomed and that they're invited. Oh, no, pastor, I don't know if we want to be doing that. Those folks aren't from around here. They're just kind of passing through. They're not going to stay. But we really should make them feel at home. We should make them feel welcome. We should do what we can for them. And so a little back and forth started, and the pastor said, I tell you what let's do. Let's not just have a casual conversation. Let's have a church meeting, and we'll set it up for next Sunday, and we'll all talk about it, and we'll come up with a plan. And so the next Sunday, they all gather in, uh, you know, for this little meeting, and as the meeting started, in fact, right as it starts, a gentleman stands up and he says, I move that in order to be a member of this church, you have to own property in the county. I second that motion. And it passed unanimously, except for the pastor. He says, I voted against it. And they reminded him that in the United Methodist Church, the pastor does not get a vote, you know, and that the pastor was also a transient and would move on someday and didn't own property in the county. So years later, as I'm studying with this, uh, uh, this now professor, and he's telling that story, he says, you know, just went back. We're going through that area anyway, and my wife never knew about that area, and so we were sharing with her about that area, and we're going through there anyway, so thought we'd find the little church, and if it was still there. And so they went off the little side road, and uh, he tells his wife of the heartbreaking story of what happened, and they find the little church again, can't miss it, big white church, you know, shining as a beacon out there, and there it is as they come down this little county road. But he says, now the, it was different. It was different. The parking lot was packed, and it was the middle of the week. And the parking lot was packed with motorcycles and trucks and all these working vehicles and cars. And it was packed. And a big sign that said, barbecue, all you can eat. And they decided to go in and eat. And there were the pews pushed up against the wall and the old pipe organ in the corner and the kerosene lamps had now had electricity that had come into the area. And the professor said to us, he says, it's a good thing that this is a restaurant now because if it was a church, these people wouldn't be allowed here. Sometimes things just get out of our control, don't they? Sometimes things just are beyond us. You know, and, you know, maybe we're feeling that a little bit now in this COVID thing that, that things just kind of happen to us and around us and we don't have a whole lot of control over it and things get out of control and they get out of the box and nothing is more out of control than the Holy Spirit sometimes. When things, we want to plan things and they just, they just can't happen. 
I remember a church on the north side of town in a, in a town that I was once serving in many years ago. And uh, this church, um, it was kind of a little struggling church. It was a, a church that had, um, uh, was in a community of a lot of great blue-collar workers, all these uh, people that were just, you know, working hard and doing their jobs and being a part of that church was part of their life. But the church had come on some hard times and it had gotten a lot smaller and as far as numbers of people and um, some of the buildings were not being used and it had become in disrepair and their pastors had turned over and changed. And so a new pastor came that, uh, that I got to know. We had, we had lunch together every week with a group in the community. And, and uh, so this church was enjoying this new pastor. And, and one day, somebody just came up to him and said, are you the pastor of this church over here? I said, yeah. I said, well, I'm part of an AA group that needs a place to meet. And he says, well, you know, we have this unused education building that nobody's in, but it's really fallen in disrepair, and it's, you know, it needs a lot of stuff. He says, well, let me talk to my AA group. We'll see what we can do. An AA group in the church kind of got together. They painted a room and fixed up one room, made sure the electricity was working and the plumbing was working uh, so they could use the bathrooms and stuff, and they got this one room in the educational building up so this AA group could, could meet there. And the AA group started to meet there, and then a, another AA group asked if they could meet there. And uh, then the word got around, and another AA group, and another AA group, and now they had all these groups coming together, and they partnered with the church, and they began to overhaul that whole building so they could begin to use the, uh, all the rooms in the building. And they, they did that and did this whole renovation. And now, before you know it, there were 22 and growing different groups that were meeting in this unused education building. It was just kind of taking off, and now these folks were coming to church and worshiping in, in church and having their AA meetings, and, and people were coming together, uh, but there was no central place for them to, to fellowship. So they said, hey, look, we're going to have this big barbecue night, and this barbecue night we're going to launch a fundraising campaign that we can uh, tear down our fellowship hall that's in great disrepair and build something new and, and nice that we all in the community can use. And so they had this great barbecue, and the night of the barbecue, after the barbecue was over, in the middle of the night, something went wrong in the bad electricity and the old insulation in the, in the uh, fellowship hall, old fellowship hall building, and it burned to the ground. Now, when you do a fundraising to do, build a new building, and the building you want to replace burns down that night, insurance will investigate. <laughs> yeah. And so they did. And... Uh, but they got a settlement, they got funds raised, they built a new building, and now all of a sudden, this church is exploding. It is growing. It is taking off. It is going. It, nobody's plan. Nobody put it together, and the church has become known as the recovery church in the community. The recovery church, the recovery community uh, of faith that was there in that area. And people who have gone through the recovery community have then gone on to ministry because they have accepted Jesus Christ and then gone on to school and then now are serving as leaders in the church from that recovery community. And to this day, it now continues as one of our models of what new expressions of ministry can be. It's amazing what happens when the Holy Spirit gets out of the box that we've put them in, gets out of control. You know, it just starts going everywhere. 
And that's what was happening in this story in Acts that we shared in today. When Jesus died and was resurrected and when he ascended, Jesus, one of his last words he said to his apostles were, remain in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. That's in Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 4 and 5. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, we know the story. The Spirit came. Pentecost came. They had the gift of tongues rest on those folks there, and they spoke in tongues. And then I think there was also the gift of ears, because people heard the word, and they responded to the word, and the, the community began to grow, and it began to grow. But it grew as a Hebrew community in Jerusalem, led by these Hebrew men that had followed Jesus. They had their little community. They were called people of the way. They were still Jewish. They were still Hebrews. They were still led by the apostles, those who had walked with Jesus. New ministry started. And there began to be a little stuff going on. You know, Jews and Gentiles, who's getting help, who's not getting help. And so under the guidance of the apostles, they began to expand the ministry and began that, and it got bigger. And, uh, and then they heard that something was happening in Samaria. Something's happening in Samaria. So they sent Philip first to Samaria. And Philip went to Samaria and uh, started uh, preaching there and proclaiming there and talking to people. And he's gone to Samaria. And then, and then more happens and begins to expand in Samaria of all places. Now, here's the thing. Samaria is where we've heard the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Jesus kind of flipping the, the story a little bit that the hero is a Samaritan because Jews and Samaritans really didn't get along. Because Samaritans kind of, they played both sides of the coin, you know, a little bit. When the Jews were being oppressed by the imperial governments, the Samaritans say, oh, no, no, we're, we're not with them. You know, we're our own people over here, but we're, we're not with them. But when the Jews were uniting and had power and everything, oh, yeah, we're Jews, we're just like you all. We're just like you. And they worshiped the God of the God Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they worshipped in their worship places all throughout the, the area of, of Samaria. They just didn't focus on Jerusalem. And so for the Hebrew people, they weren't doing the religion right. They weren't doing it correct. They were playing both sides of the coin. They, they weren't pure. They, and so they were in Samaria. And so these Samaritans now, something's going on over there. And they have to send Philip out to this area and figure out and find out what's going on. And Philip just kind of gets caught there and starts preaching because something's happening. Something's going on. And it's getting, how do these people find out? Was it because of Philip and his preaching? Something was already happening there before. We do have one story in the scripture of Jesus taking a break in his travels and stopping by a well in Samaria and a woman coming out and he has a conversation with her and and her life has changed, and she goes and testifies and tells her story to, uh, to other folks in the town, and they come to meet Jesus, and they get to know Jesus, and they find out that Jesus knew. And so we do have this one town in Samaria that, where the people actually said to the woman who had been at the well with Jesus, we believe because of your word, but now that we've met him, we've come to believe on our own. So there's this little seed bed that's happened there. And then Philip has been there, and now things are, are kind of exploding and taking off, and Philip's not coming back. And so the apostles, who like to have everything in control and everything right there in Jerusalem, and, and, and what they understand says, okay, we've got to send Peter and John now out there, because Peter and John now, these are the core guys of Acts, right? These are the apostles who stood next to Jesus you know, all the, all the way through this. 
And so they're going to go out there and they're going to investigate what's going on. And what do they do? They throw gas on the fire. They throw gas. Yeah, let's have them receive the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come here and the Holy Spirit start moving. And now everything is out of control. And the book of Acts that was about apostles and Peter up until this point now becomes about Barnabas and Saul and travels and pushing out and going to places that we know today as Turkey and all around the Mediterranean. All of a sudden, it's like this fire that is spreading all over the place that's happening and that's going on because the Holy Spirit has gotten out of the box. It can't be contained. It can't hold on to one place. It's gotten a little out of control. The Holy Spirit has gotten out of control and that is threatening to us because we would like for the Holy Spirit to be predictable, to be planned, because some of us like plans and like controlling things and getting stuff on the calendar and organizing it and going step by step and making sure it, it, it happens just the way we plan it. We like the plan. We, we want to tame the Holy Spirit. It's a whole lot better if the Holy Spirit is domesticated. It's easier for us, right? if the Holy Spirit was controllable, if it could be understood. But it just won't stay in the box. It just won't stay there. And it gets out, and it gets out of control. So I'm serving another church in another area. This is on the west coast of Florida with these... Um, Folks that, uh, that work, um, uh, the migrant community and the immigrant community that work doing a great service to you. They pick your strawberries and they pick your tomatoes and that, uh, in that area of Florida. And so there's these beautiful people there. And so uh, in the area at that time, we were starting these Hispanic ministries. And it was part of... Uh, the United Methodist Church of Florida's design of a plan to expand into Hispanic ministries. And so our, our district in our area had a team put together, and I was on that team of planning for this ministry and how to make it happen and put together district plans and get the right people in the right places. We visited Cuba as part of our partnership with Cuba, and we had a sister church there, much like New Horizons has a couple of sister churches in, in, in Cuba. And so we, we did all this work, and so we got a coordinator for the Hispanic ministry. And the coordinator actually was on site at, on my campus where uh, I was the pastor. And so we had the Hispanic ministry there. We weren't that far away from the camps where the migrants were and from where a lot of the immigrants would uh, come and settle. And uh, the packing houses were nearby and the fields were you know, just out in the more rural areas. And so we were going to do this work for them and, and uh, do this work. And so we... Uh, we found a, a pastor um, who only knew Spanish. Fortunately, his wife knew a little bit of English, but his children did most of the translating to, to work with them. And, and he came to my congregation and started a service in Spanish on Sunday evening. All part of our plan, part of what we were going to do. Musicians uh, came and people started coming. And then there were 30 people and then there were 40 people and there were 50 people in, in worship. And, and this was happening. And the the, the center for the area of this ministry was on our campus, and this nice worship service was happening uh, in our, in our uh, fellowship hall. And, uh, but then this pastor got it into his mind to actually go out to the migrant camps. 
Now, why would he do that? That wasn't in our plan. You know, nobody instructed him to do that. And he went out to the migrant camps. He started leading some Bible studies out there and teaching and preaching and discipling folks and, and helping folks. And he, he came back to the church and he says, you know, these people are picking tomatoes and food all day, but they're hungry. They're not getting paid enough to, to have food. And so, uh, so they're a little bit hungry. And then we began to find out that the children out there were registered for school and we knew there were children out there, but they weren't coming to school. There was a delinquency issue, and why weren't they, they were coming to school? And there was a multitude of issues, but for some of the younger ones, it was because the families didn't have enough shoes. Families were, were literally like one pair of shoes, and this kid goes to school today because of their shoes, and the next kid goes the next day, and the next kid goes the next day because they were sharing, sharing shoes. Now, you tell a church that kids don't have shoes. Guess what's going to happen? Kids have shoes. Kids have shoes, and now we're partnered with the school, and we're where we've got folks going out to the, uh, to the migrant camps and to where folks are immigrating and coming in and, and doing all of that, that kind of work. This wasn't in our plans. This is what, what we had planned to do. But now folks are gathering clothes and gathering shoes and gathering all this. And the next thing you know, the next thing you know, I am spending my entire Thanksgiving week not going and visiting my family and hanging out with my family, but spending my entire Thanksgiving week finding large freezers and warmers, and power supplies, and, and trailers for musicians, and concerts, and sound systems to pull out into a field to feed four to 500 migrant and immigrant folks on Thanksgiving Day, and share worship out in the field, and coordinating businesses, and different clubs, and communities in the in the in the, uh, clubs and groups in the community to come together to do this great festival of feeding and sharing and food for people to carry home and and to have with them and shoes for the kids and clothes for the kids all on thanksgiving day a thanksgiving day celebration because that's the day that they didn't have to work in the field the holy spirit got out of control and i lost my thanksgiving you know i couldn't nap on the couch and watch football games who let the Holy Spirit do something like that and get that out of control when this Holy Spirit gets outside of the box? Gets out of the side of the box, something's going to get started. When Jesus came up out of the water at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And it says it drove him. It drove him to a time of fasting and prayer. It drove him to temptation, it drove him into ministry, it drove him into work, it drove him into choosing disciples, it drove him into work, it drove him into traveling and meeting folks. The Holy Spirit descended at the day of Pentecost and the apostles were driven out. The Holy Spirit came on this day, this story that we share in today in Samaria of all places. And it's just exploding and going out. The Holy Spirit is getting outside of the box. I wonder what the Holy Spirit's going to do next. Here and now and among us. Amen. Amen. Most gracious God, we so often pray for your Holy Spirit to move. Because we do need it. We need the comfort. We need the counsel. We need the direction. We need the help. 
Lord, give us the courage to follow your Spirit beyond the boxes and walls of our understanding into the work that you are doing in our midst. Amen and amen. Let us uh, take moments to respond to God with prayer, respond to God with giving, and respond to God with song and praise. Won't you please rise?
go now with the, uh, the blessing of the peace of God upon you. Go now with an invitation to engage in the studies this week, to engage through your giving that you can do online, um, engage in, in prayer this week for others. But go now with the blessing and the assurance that God's power, God's spirit is upon you. Go now in peace and love. Amen and amen.